Hey there, welcome back. I actually have a really long intro on the episode because it's a special episode, so I'm going to keep this short and um, just say thank you for tuning in and we'll get right into the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Baby Shrimp Pod, a podcast where I talk about whatever's on my mind. This week, I have an episode for my patrons, so if you are listening to this on wherever you get your podcasts, you'll be able to listen to the first half, and then the second half will be available to my patrons starting at the $3 level. I don't know if I've ever had a chance to quite explain what Patreon does for me as an artist and why I use it. I do have a full-time career in education. Excuse me. I stubbed my toe really bad on the door frame, (laughs) trying to avoid my cat stepping on him in an accident, and then I yelled in the hallway, and then I lost my voice. So, (laughs) sorry if you hear me clearing my voice a lot. Also, if you've never listened to Baby Shroom Pod, this is uh, how it usually goes. So, let me start over, Monique. Anyway, Patreon. I, uh, everything I do for the arts is completely on the side for me, and I've always been the kind of person with a side hustle. I'm your typical millennial, Um, but Patreon really allows me to explore all of these artistic endeavors that I've been wanting to dedicate time to, and um, by supporting me on Patreon, you help me invest in materials that I need to make that possible. I'm looking into better sticker paper for my Etsy page and better ways to print my stickers. And honestly, it just allows me to explore different mediums. I'd love to explore sculpture again. I did it a little bit in high school. Um, I think I'm going to look into oil um, paints again. We'll see. Uh, So by supporting me on Patreon, you allow me to continue to explore that artistic expression. Excuse me. Um, You also get some cool behind-the-scenes stuff. You get to see all my works in progress. There's uh, weekend roundups where I show you what I worked on over the weekend. I do vlogs. Um, I post exclusive content like these um, solo episodes of the pod. And there is early access to all of my podcasts, as well as any new projects that I have. So when I first launched my merch, my patrons got it about a week before I made it public. So anyway, that's just a taste of Patreon. If you are at all interested in supporting me on there, that would be amazing. There is a $1 tip jar if you just enjoy listening to me. And I completely understand it's not feasible to... um, be donating money for everybody, but if you want to support me in a simple way, there is a $1 tip jar option. So, on to the podcast. (laughs) The first 30 minutes or so will be available for everybody, and then the second half will be um, for my patrons. So, what is on my mind this week? Well, I'm sure like everybody else, Getting through inauguration week was stressful as fuck. I mean, nothing crazy happened, which is wonderful, but I think it was just these pent-up emotions that we've had for the last five years, 
all coming to the surface and then being released. And um, I have not been feeling super great this week. And I think it is because all of that stress is finally being released into my body. And I've been so tired and anxious. And um, honestly, my OCD has been flaring up a little bit because I've just been so stressed. And I'm relieved to be on the other side of that week. I'm relieved that some things are starting to go better in 2021. Um, I'm not under any misconception that things are going to be perfect now that the Democrats have power because they're politicians too. And let's face it, career politicians don't always have the best uh, representation of the people in their hearts. But I feel hopeful that at least maybe we can get back on track with controlling climate change and supporting public education and guaranteeing health care. So I am cautiously optimistic. I also understand that I'm going to have to just focus on my community because that's the only place I really have significant influence. But through this week, I've been thinking a lot about my OCD and what it's been like since I was officially diagnosed and what I have been able to do to cope with it and to come to terms with it. And I thought that I would share that here because it's not something I talk about very often. To be totally blunt, even though I know it's real, sometimes I feel like I must be making it up or that even though I was diagnosed with OCD, it wasn't real, and that I'm being more dramatic than I need to be, which is kind of the uh, interesting thing about the disorder, is it really, it turns your mind on itself. So I thought I would talk about my experience, and um, it's definitely directly tied to anxiety and the things that I've been able to do to help cope with it so that if you are wanting to start exploring recovery, if any of these symptoms relate to you, you don't even, you don't have to have OCD. You could just feel anxious. You don't have to have diagnosed anxiety to be anxious. So anyway, I'm no, I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional. I just thought I'd share my experience. So I think I started to see the symptoms of my OCD when I was in about middle school. Uh, That's when the intrusive thoughts start. And those intrusive thoughts look different from person to person. Um, They can be thoughts of, if I don't complete this ritual, um, someone's going to die. Or if I don't complete this ritual, I'm going to accidentally hurt somebody or... Um, I'm going to get sick or this horrible thing is going to happen to me that I'm fantasizing in my head. It's just honestly in fear of of being out of control so much in a way that it will cause harm either to yourself or to another person. And like I said, this differs from um, survivors. I don't know if that's the right word, but it differs from person to person. For me, those intrusive thoughts were that everyone was going to realize that I was a fake and that they were going to 
cast me out and I was never going to have a future. And if I didn't have a future, then I would let down all these people who were depending on me and um, all these horrible things would happen that were not real. I was completely fantasizing them. And I was like 13. So of course they weren't real. But that's how the intrusive thoughts started. And then they kind of developed into, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. If I don't do this ritual the exact way that I have it in my head, then I'm probably going to die. Um, and it's not even rituals that were life-saving. It was rituals like being done brushing my teeth at a certain time or wearing, uh, trying on shoes over and over again until they felt like they fit right or spitting out food that I was certain was poisoned in that moment, even though I had already been eating the whole dish and that some, that one bite was poisoned. But if I spit it out, then I'd be fine. And then I could go on eating the rest of it. So I just assumed everyone felt that way. And when I came to realize not everyone was feeling that way when I was later in high school, I just thought that I was crazy or that my anxiety had gotten too big and I was letting it convince me of stuff that wasn't real and if I could just bring down my anxiety everything would be fine and parts of that are true but it was also uh, something that went untreated for a very long time and it wasn't until I was in actually finishing college that I finally uh, started to go to therapy and you know, it was a year after I finished college. I decided I couldn't live like this anymore. The rituals had gotten to a point where I couldn't even have like a normal life, it felt like. I was very high functioning at my jobs and I could focus really well at my jobs and perform very well. And I was actually very grateful to work because it was outside of my regular life. It was a wonderful distraction. I feel like I could be the person I wanted to be and then I would enter back into my life and the whole cycle would start over again. So um, I decided I couldn't live like that anymore. I wanted to be able to enjoy my life outside of work and not live for my job because this is the only place that I felt capable and normal. So I started um, going to therapy and it took a while because anyone who's been in therapy who knows it takes a while to peel back the layers and to really say what's really happening because you're learning to trust somebody new quite possibly for the first time. And after a while, it finally came out that that's what the kind of thoughts I was having and the kind of crazy fantasies I was making up in my head of what would happen to me if I did things or if I left my house or if I came into contact with somebody I didn't know, just these crazy, crazy ideas that I would play out over and over and over again in my head. And honestly, you would think that being diagnosed officially with something like obsessive compulsive disorder would be horrible, worst case scenario, bad news. But I felt so relieved. It was like I could breathe for the first time. Like I knew, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. This stuff is really happening in my head. Even though these fantasies aren't real, I'm not making them up for no reason. There's something lacking and there's some support that I need and I could get this under control. So 
I guess I should go into what OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder is. It is um, a disorder in the brain where you don't produce enough serotonin. And serotonin controls things like thought patterns, mood swings, body temperature, cravings, all kinds of stuff. And the way it chooses to manifest is with intrusive thoughts and uh, obsessive, I don't want to say disorder, but rituals, obsessive rituals to try to gain some semblance of control. And there isn't really a known reason on where it comes from. Um, Doctors don't know if it comes from the lack of serotonin production or if the lack of serotonin production is a symptom um, of something else happening in the brain. I'm hopeful that more information will come to light the more we learn about the brain, but that's still a long road ahead for sure. Um, But it explained so many things I was feeling. And one of the main characteristics of OCD is that you are completely aware that the thoughts you're having and the rituals you're doing are irrational. You are completely aware. You know that it's not real. You know you're just making it into something it's not. But there's an inability to control um, to control your actions. There's an inability to stop. And here's the, the like nitty gritty painful part of it. You're, you're doing a ritual. And as you're doing it, the whole time you're telling yourself, stop, stop doing this. You don't need to be doing this. And then also your brain is telling you, if you just do it, you can move on with your day. If you just do it and get it over with, you can move on. And it's like that draw to just be able to move on with your day is so attractive and so wanted. You'll do whatever ritual you have to, to get over it and move forward with your day. So it kind of builds on itself. It almost like evolves into a more ugly monster because you continue to kind of give it power because you know it will just be easier to get it over with and that slowly starts to build the the power of the ritual starts to build because you just so desperately want to move on okay I don't remember what I was talking about before I started explaining it I think I started talking about my early treatment So a big part of my early treatment was to do um, a version of talk therapy where I would um, describe events in my life that I felt were traumatic and by giving them a linear explanation, a beginning, a middle, and an end, they could be resolved and be a complete memory that would move into my long-term memory instead of sitting in the front of my brain as if it's actively happening right now. And we did something called brain spotting, which I could put some info in the show notes about that. And it worked very well for me. And I stayed in therapy for about two years 
Um, I took a break in between of like six months because our insurance changed and then I went back and I had all kinds of new tools, new ways to rationalize what I was doing, new ways to recognize when something was a legitimate fear and when something was an OCD fear and to work through not giving it the power to control me. And that was about four years ago. So my journey didn't really start until then. Um, But I couldn't believe what a different life I was having. I started drawing again. I went back to school to get my teaching license. I started working with kids and, and I could work with them. I could move past my own walls and see them as individuals and not an extension of me and work with them. And it was incredible. It was like I was a new person, but I still had, I still had a lot of my own will tied up into the rituals because I threw myself into school and into work and I was completely avoiding, you know, alone time with myself. I was avoiding having to be alone with those thoughts or having to work through things. I could function really well at my job and I was enjoying school and I was able to have like friends outside of work and have a small social life. But when I came home, I rarely spent time with myself. I always was with a friend or my husband or watching TV or being or doing homework or being distracted by something, which is fine. That is a part of life and there is a time and a season for life to be busy like that. But I always knew like in the back of my head, I was kind of avoiding having to continue working beyond what I had in therapy. I was scared. I didn't really want to confront it yet. And um, I was just trying to get involved in whatever I could to stay busy. Um, And then I started to have some issues with my knee. People who don't know me, I had a torn meniscus in my right knee probably since I was 18. 17 is probably when I first tore it because I had had on and off pain since then and it only progressed as I got older because I had very physically demanding jobs and it ironically was kind of like my OCD where I just kind of just stayed busy and ignored it tried to push it away pretend like it wasn't real try to have as much of a quote-unquote normal life as I could Um, But it definitely reached a place where it was kind of all-consuming. That's really funny. I've never thought about how it was an extension almost of my OCD and my relationship with it. Um, Because I had all kinds of rituals for my knee. And um, I had convinced myself if I just did these rituals, it would be fixed. And of course, that's not true. It was fucking torn. By the time... I had it really examined. It was torn in two places in such a massive way that they basically said, we're going to have to reshape it in order for you to walk again because I couldn't really walk. I was trying, but I would have a brace or 
I would use other kinds of supports and it was, it was pretty bad. Um, when I was about, let's say 24, gosh, I don't even remember. Maybe I was 23. I don't know. Um, the age is all fucked up on this. Sorry about that. <laughs> but in my early 20s, um, I finally couldn't take it anymore. And I found a doctor who believed me that I was in real pain and examined my knee and booked me for surgery. And I was so happy that I was going to have my life back and also so fucking scared that I was going to be immobile for a while and have to be with myself and that the recovery process was going to be years, he told me. Because you recover and you go to therapy, physical therapy, and you can have a normal life, right? But your knee doesn't really recover for several years. And it's a lot of work. And it was like as if everything was coalescing together to show me it's time to deal with this. If you're just going to pretend like it's fine on the surface, it's never going to actually get better. Your OCD your knee, your progress, all of it. So I I stayed in pain for a long time, for another two years because I was terrified. And then I discovered yoga. And this is not a story of like yoga cures everything, but yoga was a tool for me to bridge these two parts of myself my mental and my physical, and have them in one being. So if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, it is live on my Patreon starting at the $3 tier. We have a lot of really fun stuff going on over there with my celestial family, and I'd love to have you be a part of it if you're able. I will have another public episode coming up soon. I have some really amazing guests coming up. I may or may not be recording this weekend actually with my grams to talk to her about the evolution of feminism in her lifetime, which I'm really excited about, and some other really, really cool things coming up. Um, In the second half of the episode, I talk about the way my OCD changed and evolved with yoga and I get kind of emotional. (laughs) It's embarrassing to share myself this way, but it's also really important to me because I want people who are in these situations to feel heard and have options and to see that there is a way to live alongside this disorder. I'll have some links in the show notes as well as a video just explaining OCD my explanation (laughs) didn't really help. (laughs) It's just my own experience, but there are a lot of different experiences with it. Okay, I wish you the best. Have a safe rest of your January. Can't believe it's almost the end of this first month. Ugh. Anyway, we'll talk soon. Um, All my contact info will be in the description because I'm also adding my email. I'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.